The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 1, Book 5, The Third Estate, Chapter 5, Give Us Arms. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Peter Dan. Book 5, Chapter 5, Give Us Arms. On Monday, the huge city has awoke, not to its weekday industry, to what a different one. The working man has become a fighting man, has one want only, that of arms. The industry of all crafts has paused, except it be the smiths fiercely hammering pikes, and in a faint degree the kitcheners cooking off-hand victuals for bouche va toujours. Women, too, are sewing cockades, not now of green, which being d'artois colour, the Hôtel de Ville has had to interfere in it, but of red and blue, our old Paris colours, these, once based on a ground of constitutional white, are the famed tricolour, which, if prophecy err not, will go round the world. All shops, unless it be the bakers and vintners, are shut. Paris is in the streets, rushing, foaming, like some Venice wine-glass into which you had dropped poison. The toxin by order is peeling madly from all steeples, Arms, ye elector municipals, thou flesselles with thy echevins, give us arms. Flesselles gives what he can, fallacious, perhaps insidious promises of arms from Charleville, order to seek arms here, order to seek them there. The new municipals give what they can, some three hundred and sixty indifferent firelocks, the equipment of the city watch. A man in wooden shoes and without coat directly clutches one of them and mounts guard. Also, as hinted, an order to all smiths to make pikes with their whole soul. Heads of districts are in fervent consultation. Subordinate patriotism roams distracted, ravenous for arms. Hitherto at the Hotel de Ville was only such modicum of indifferent firelocks as we have seen. At the so-called arsenal there lies nothing but rust, rubbish and saltpetre, overlooked too by the guns of the Bastille. His Majesty's repository, what they call guard meubler, is forced and ransacked, tapestries enough and gauderies, but of serviceable fighting gear, small stock. Two silver-mounted cannons there are, an ancient gift from His Majesty of Siam to Louis XIV, gilt sword of the good Henri, antique chivalry arms and armour. These and such as these, the necessitous patriotism snatches greedily for want of better. The Siamese cannons go trundling on an errand they were not meant for. Among the indifferent firelocks are seen tourney lances, the princely helm and hauberk glittering amid ill-hatted heads, as in a time when all times and their possessions are suddenly sent jumbling. At the Maison de Saint-Lazare, Lazare House once, now a correction house with priests, there was no trace of arms, but, on the other hand, corn, plainly, to a culpable extent. Out with it, to market, in this scarcity of grains. Heavens, will fifty-two carts in long row hardly carry it to the whole or bled? Well, truly, ye reverend fathers, was your pantry filled, fatter your larders, over-generous your wine-bins, ye plotting exasperators of the poor, traitorous forestallers of bread. Vain is protesting, entreaty on bare knees, the house of St. Lazarus has that in it which comes not out by protesting. Behold how from every window it vomits, mere torrents of furniture of bellowing and hurly-burly, the cellars also leaking wine. 
till as was natural smoke rose kindled some say by the desperate saint lazarists themselves desperate of other riddance and the establishment vanished from this world in flame remark nevertheless that a thief set on or not by aristocrats being detected there is instantly hanged look also at the chatelet prison the debtors prison of la force is broken from without and they that sat in bondage to aristocrats go free hearing of which the felons at the chatelet do likewise dig up their pavements and stand on the offensive with the best prospects had not patriotism passing that way fired a volley into the felon world and crushed it down again under hatches patriotism consorts not with thieving and felony surely also punishment this day hitches if she still hitch after crime with frightful shoes of swiftness some score or two of wretched persons found prostrate with drink in the cellars of that saint lazare are indignantly hailed to prison the jailer has no room whereupon other place of security not suggesting itself it is written on les pendis they hang them Brief is the word, not without significance, be it true or untrue. In such circumstances, the aristocrat, the unpatriotic rich man, is packing up for departure. But he shall not get departed. A wooden-shod force has seized all barriers, burnt or not. All that enters, all that seeks to issue, is stopped there and dragged to the Hotel de Ville. Coaches, tumbrils, plate, furniture, many meal-sacks. In time, even flocks and herds encumber the Place de Grève. And so it roars and rages and brays, drums beating, steeples peeling, criers rushing with handbells, Oye, oye, all men to their districts to be enrolled. The districts have met in gardens, open squares, are getting marshalled into volunteer troops. No red-hot ball has yet fallen from Bessonval's camp. On the contrary, deserters with their arms are continually dropping in. Nay, now a joy of joys at two in the afternoon, the Garde Francais, being ordered to St. Denis and flatly declining, have come over in a body. It is a fact worth many. Three thousand six hundred of the best fighting men, with complete accoutrement, with cannoneers even, and cannon. Their officers are left standing alone, could not so much as succeed in spiking the guns. The very Swiss, it may now be hoped, Chateau Vieux and the others will have doubts about fighting. Our Parisian militia, which some think it were better to name National Guard, is prospering as heart could wish. It promised to be 48,000, but will in few hours double and quadruple that number, invincible if we had only arms. But see the promised Charleville boxes, marked artillery, here there are arms enough? Conceive the blank face of patriotism when it found them filled with rags, foul linen, candle ends, and bits of wood. Provost of the merchants, how is this? Neither at the Chartreux convent, whither we were sent with signed order, is there or ever was there any weapon of war. Nay, here, in this same boat, safe under tarpaulings, had not the nose of patriotism been of the finest, are five thousand weight of gunpowder, not coming in, but surreptitiously going out. What meanest thou, Flacelles? Tis a ticklish game, that of amusing us. Cat plays with captive mouse, but mouse with enraged cat, with enraged national tiger. Meanwhile, the faster, O ye black-aproned smiths, smite with strong arm and willing heart. 
this man and that, all stroke from head to heel, shall thunder alternating and ply the great forge hammer, till stithy reel and ring again, while ever and anon overhead booms the alarm cannon, for the city has now got gunpowder. Pikes are fabricated, fifty thousand of them in six and thirty hours. Judge whether the black apron have been idle. Dig trenches, unpave the streets, ye others, assiduous, man and maid. Cram the earth with barrel barricades, at each of them a volunteer sentry. Pile the windstones in window sills and upper rooms. Have scolding pitch, at least boiling water, ready, ye weak old women, to pour it and dash it on royal allemande with your old skinny arms. Your shrill curses along with it will not be wanting. Patrols of the newborn National Guard, bearing torches, scour the streets all that night, which otherwise are vacant, yet illuminated in every window by order. Strange-looking, like some naphtha-lighted city of the dead, with here and there a flight of perturbed ghosts. O oh, poor mortals, how ye make this earth bitter for each other, this fearful and wonderful life, fearful and horrible, and Satan has his place in all hearts. Such agonies and ragings and wailings he have and have had in all times, to be buried all in so deep silence and the salt sea is not swollen with your tears. Great, meanwhile, is the moment when tidings of freedom reach us, when the long-enthralled soul from amidst its chains and squalid stagnancy arises, where it's still only in blindness and bewilderment, and swears by him that made it that it will be free. Free? Understand that well. It is the deep commandment, dimmer or clearer, of our whole being to be free. Freedom is the one purport, wisely aimed at or unwisely, of all man's struggles, toilings and sufferings in this earth. Yes, supreme is such a moment, if thou have known it. First vision as of a flame-girt Sinai in this our waste pilgrimage, which thenceforth wants not its pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. Something it is even, nay, something considerable, when the chains have grown corrosive, poisonous, to be free from oppression by our fellow man. Forward, ye maddened sons of France, be it towards this destiny or towards that. Around you is but starvation, falsehood, corruption, and the clam of death. Where ye are is no abiding. Imagination may imperfectly figure how Commandant Bessonval in the Champ de Mars has worn out these sorrowful hours. Insurrection all round, his men melting away. From Versailles to the most pressing messages comes no answer, or once only some vague word of answer which is worse than none. A council of officers can decide merely that there is no decision. Colonels inform him, weeping, that they do not think their men will fight. Cruel uncertainty is here. War-god Brolier sits yonder, inaccessible in his Olympus, does not descend terror-clad, does not produce his whiff of grape-shot, sends no orders. Truly in the chateau of Versailles all seems mystery. In the town of Versailles were we there, all is rumour, alarm and indignation. An august National Assembly sits to appearance menaced with death, endeavouring to defy death. It has resolved that Necker carries with him the regrets of the nation. It has sent solemn deputation over to the Chateau with entreaty to have these troops withdrawn. In vain, His Majesty, with a singular composure, invites us to be busy rather with our own duty, making the Constitution. 
foreign pandas and such like go pricking and prancing with a swashbuckler air with an eye too probably to the salle de menu were it not for the grim-looking countenances that crowd all avenues there be firm ye national senators the cynosure of a firm grim-looking people the august national senators determine that there shall at least be permanent session till this thing end wherein however consider that worthy la franque de pompignon our new president whom we have named by his successor is an old man wearied with many things he is the brother of that pompignon who meditated lamentably on the book of lamentations Savez-vous pourquoi Jérémie se lamentait tout la vie? C'est qu'il prévoyait que Pompignon le traduirait. Poor Bishop Pompignon withdraws, having got Lafayette for helper or substitute, this latter as nocturnal vice-president, with a thin house and disconsolate humour, sits sleepless with lights unsnuffed, waiting what the hours will bring. So at Versailles but at paris agitated bessonval before retiring for the night has stepped over to old monsieur de sombreuil of the hotel des invalides hard by monsieur de sombreuil has what is a great secret some eight and twenty thousand stand of muskets deposited in his cellars there but no trust in the temper of his invalide this day for example he sent twenty of the fellows down to unscrew those muskets lest sedition might snatch at them but scarcely in six hours had the twenty unscrewed twenty gun-locks or dogs-heads chen of locks each invalid his dogs-head if ordered to fire they would he imagines turn their cannon against himself unfortunate old military gentlemen it is your hour not of glory Old Marquis de Launay, too, of the Bastille, has pulled up his drawbridges long since, and retired into his interior, with sentries walking on his battlements under the midnight sky, aloft over the glare of illuminated Paris, whom a national patrol, passing that way, takes the liberty of firing at seven shots towards twelve at night, which do not take effect. This was the 13th day of July, 1789. A worse day, many said, than the last thirteenth was, when only hail fell out of heaven, not madness rose out of Tophet, ruining worse than crops. In these same days, as chronology will teach us, Hotel Marquis Mirabeau lies stricken down at Agenteuil, not within sound of these alarm guns, for he properly is not there, and only the body of him now lies, deaf and cold for ever. It was on Saturday night that he, drawing his last life-breaths, gave up the ghost there, leaving a world which would never go to his mind, now broken out seemingly into deliration and the culbut général. What is it to him, departing elsewhither on his long journey? The old chateau Mirabeau stands silent, far off on its scarped rock in that gorge of two windy valleys, the pale fading spectre now of a chateau, this huge world riot and France and the world itself fades also like a shadow on the great still mirror sea, and all shall be as God wills. Young Mirabeau, sad of heart, for he loved this crabbed, brave old father, sad of heart and occupied with sad cares, is withdrawn from public history. The great crisis transacts itself without him. End of Book 5 Chapter 5